0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode nine of the In the Pocket podcast. I am your host, Kevin Chip Ginyard. I am elated. I'm grateful that you took the time out to hang with me tonight. Before we get started, let me give you the foundation of the podcast. Being in the pocket means being in tempo and following the groove of the instrumentation that you're performing. Staying in the pocket means locking in and doing what feels best to support the song, acting role, or art that you're creating. This podcast was created to provide information, history, advice for upcoming artists, musicians, background singers, and producers and actors as well. We wanna inform you what goes on in the industry on stage and backstage. We wanna provide you the insight on how to get the gig, how to get the placement, how to land the role, and how to get the inspiration to write your next hit. Our guests will provide advice on how to sustain a solid career in the arts with character and integrity. These successful creatives will be giving their story to give the next generation keys to success. Now that I got all that out there, I am, I am hyped, you just, you just don't know, let it ring off, you just don't know, CT stand up, I have a legend that has agreed to be on the podcast tonight, I mean, a legend, platinum songwriter. Grammy-winning producer, AMAs, BMI awards, you name it, he's got it. This episode is for the songwriters. This episode is for the lovers of R&B. This episode is for the lovers of lyrics and melody, for the lovers of music who crave substance and meaning in their music. We have R&B royalty with us today, and I'm honored because I'm a true fan of this man's work and his catalog. This episode is special to me, episode nine, because he is from my home state of Connecticut, from the city of New Haven, Connecticut. He lives here in Atlanta right now. He is one of the most accomplished songwriters and producers of this modern generation. And he's here with us today. With that being said, I'm going to introduce my guest for today, the man, the myth, the legend.
1: Troy Taylor, you the GOAT.
0: The GOAT himself, Troy Taylor, is in the building on the In The Pocket Podcast. Let's give it up.
1: Wow, that introduction is terrible. (laughs) like i felt like who is this guy who is nah man who's this person you're talking about <laughs> you are the goat
0: man you are the goat man this episode is for connecticut ct stand up um hailing all the way from new haven connecticut by way of atlanta i'm hyped to sit down with this man the mayor of r and um thank you troy for taking time out to
1: be with oh, us man. man super thank you for having me I yeah man
0: it. i am nervous because i am in the presence of greatness man Um, Normally it's my friends, but like this time, it's like I watched you as a young one coming up and then for you to ascend to the levels that you are and then come back and and pour back into me. That's the pure essence of the pod. Like taking the information that you've acquired throughout the years and coming back and passing it to the next generation. And you are one of the ones that we look to, we aspire to be like coming up. You know, we have you and Doobie and those people like that we look to um, as younger musicians, the next generation under you. We watched you, Doobie, and Troy Oliver, you know, pave the way for Connecticut. And you guys are doing an amazing job. And, man, I'm so grateful uh, to, to have you here on the pod tonight, man.
1: Thank you so much, man. I, I, I super appreciate it. Like, like, yeah, of course, yes, I remember you when you couldn't even reach the drums. Oh, so, man. <laughs> I remember when your mom was pregnant with your sister. I remember you, so much. Wow. Like, it, yeah, I remember everything. Like, my mom... My mom is amazed at how some of the things that I remember when I talked about, when it specifically talks about Trinity Temple and everybody in it, um, she's amazed that I paid attention to everything. I paid attention to everything. Your father, your uncle, everything. And it's so funny because, you know, when I saw you, it's like, you still look the same. You (laughs) you just got a beard. It's just, it's it's so funny. So, so now, man, I'm definitely honored and I'm glad we finally got you know, the time to really, you know, get into it.
0: Yeah, man. It. Thank you so much, man. This is, I'm hyped. Everybody watching, put T-T-U-G in the chat. Type in T-T-U-G. That stands for Troy Taylor, you the GOAT. And I got the GOAT, the, the mayor of r and with us today. So we're going to get right into it. I'm not going to hold you any longer. Uh, like I said, we're both from Connecticut. How was it growing up in
1: New Haven, Connecticut? So, okay. So, First of all, when my brother, my brother went to Hill House. And so I, when I was in the eighth grade uh, about to, to transition into high school, yeah. I had went to his class night or something like that, a talent show or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just saw, you know, people performing on the stage. And I looked around and I saw everybody's reaction to people who were on stage. And I just remembered feeling like I need to go to this school. Yeah, I want to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. so so thinking about when music i liked music yes but i didn't know about it being like something i wanted to do i just knew i i liked it right. and so uh going to hill house is where it began because then i started doing talent shows wow and so um and the funny thing about me is that though i'm from born and raised from the church kojik yeah. mm-hmm. i wasn't as churchy okay as everybody because when i would leave church i would be listening to r&b right i didn't like choirs the only thing i liked was groups like yeah. the hawkins mm-hmm. you know like andre crouch commission, I would, you know, commission yeah commission whining. i yep. was that type of not the choirs the car right, you know all of that so i was more into that than the choir part of it and mm-hmm. so I, I was churchy, but not churchy.
0: Right. Um,
1: musically, I wasn't churchy. So my ear was totally different, and I didn't. I didn't really understand what I was feeling until, until the latter part of high school. Until right. I realized, yo, I want to. This is what I want to do. Like musically. Mm-hmm. Um, by that time, people were already coming to my house, and because when I would do talent shows, I would do songs that were original or. I would put, if I did someone's song, I would make it myself. Got you. And so people would be so baffled on how I got the background vocals and how I did it. Yeah. And so I didn't realize what I was actually preparing myself for.
0: Right. Because that's, that's and, what and I want to ask you. Like, when did you realize you
1: had a gift? Well, that's 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 then. That time. Yeah, because, okay. So when people would come to my house to to try to do a record, mm-hmm. and I would record them, that's when I realized, wait, why are you not doing it the way I'm telling you to do it? Yeah. You're not, it doesn't sound, that's when I started <laughs> realizing, wait, wait, yeah. you didn't hear what I just said? I just sing. I sang it like this, do it like this. And that. Yeah. I didn't realize I was producing at the time. Yeah. I didn't know until right. they start trying to mess up my songs. And then I'm like,
0: <laughs> right. They weren't, so, you're not doing it like me.
1: <laughs> right. So now, so listen, so check it. That's then, that's in mm. New Haven. That's at home. Yeah. But it wasn't until, you know, skipping past some time. uh, I was in groups, different groups and stuff. And then I decided to get out of the group thing and move to New York.
0: If you don't mind, who were some of your peers? I just would love some of the the history.
1: Some of my peers were, uh, oh my gosh, oh let's see. Daryl Bellamy, Tim Martin, um, who else? Chris Moore, uh, Andy Jenkins. Uh, these are people, I don't even know where they are now, <laughs> it's okay. um, but these were people I sang with in high school, Dope. uh, Jackie Faison, Tracy, what's Tracy's last name? Oh gosh, she's going to kill me. Um, Tammy, uh, it was so many people, uh, Vicky LaFrazier. Yeah, I know uh, Vicky. Yes. So it was it was a lot of people. I'm I'm missing so many people, but uh there was a lot of people that were in my peers around then the talent shows. You know, we yeah. will always end up in the same talent shows. Of course, Troy Frost and Nandi Langley and mm-hmm. Rasan Langley, Shamari. Uh, Shamari. Yeah, so so yes. Um, Patrick Lewis was the drummer back then. Yes. 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 So so um yeah, man, it, that was my that was my New Haven. Yeah. Circle.
0: Yeah, hub, yeah.
1: Yeah, my hub. But when I left, okay. Um I ended up signing to Motown through a long story of that, but signing as an artist, and then I started working with this group. And while I was signed to Motown working with this group that was on Motown, when I got into the studio with them. Thinking that if anyone's signed to a label, they already know what yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not thinking you have to tell people what to do. Yeah, I'm thinking they already know. Right. So when I started working with these kids, this group, and I'm thinking, like, why do I have to tell you how to <laughs> sing this song? Yeah. Because so, thinking when I did it at home, well, I understand at home because it's local. Right, but I, this is Motown, and right, you're signed to Motown, and I'm I gotta tell you how to do this. Like, you're supposed to be professionals, right? Yeah, right. To be <laughs> right, so that's what I'm thinking. So, yeah. I'm like, that's where at 22, that's where Troy Taylor, the vocal producer, the producer, that's where it started because I yeah. realized, okay, if this song is going to be good, I got to make sure that they do this song right, yeah. Um, and that's when I started taking on the understanding of okay you have to make sure it's right yeah and that's where it began for me um when that group came out mm-hmm. while i was still working on my album when that group came out and they became known all over the world as boys to men that's when i decided while still making my album actually my album was done already that's when i realized i don't want to be an artist Oh. I think I, I think when I went to the record, because you know when I was in New Haven, I worked at record stores. Yeah. So I was the kid that you go to the record store, and I'll tell you what's good, what's you know what to get.
0: There actually was um, a store, kids, that you would go to to pick up your music. You yes. it wasn't online. You could actually go in the store and buy cassette tapes and vinyl yes. albums. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, there was no online. <laughs> there was no computer. There right. No phone. There was none of that. No physical no copies. There no physical yeah. copies you had to go to the <laughs> record store right and so um I, because i was i read credits a lot um so i had a i had in mind who i always wanted to meet if yeah. i got into the music business and i was blessed to actually meet timmy regisford who i used to read his credits on the back of albums and yeah. records and stuff and so i already had his his mind his name in my mind Yeah. I ended up meeting him, and he is in the one who actually ended up signing me to Motown. Um, and so I went back to him to tell him that I don't think I want to be an artist. And he's like, What do you mean? I'm like, I I don't wanna I don't wanna do this. Yeah, I don't want I like being behind the scenes. I I don't so I mean long story short, uh Gerald Busby, who was the president at the time, Mm -hmm. uh told him and they agreed. It was no no harm, no foul. I hadn't come out, you know, so I didn't really spend a whole lot of money. Right. So it was cool. And so from that point, that decision, I just became a writer, producer, uh behind the scenes, still doing my, my vocals. I still yeah. do backgrounds. I still get a chance to do all the things that I love.
0: The artist-like I- stuff, right? You got to feel like the artist. But engaged. I
1: didn't have to be the artist. Yeah. So so yeah, that's where it, that's that's the gist of how it all came together.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So let's rewind just a little bit to your production side, because a lot of people don't know that you're a player and that you create your music as well. You, you've done that
1: uh, many records. What was your first setup? OK, so funny thing about me and I'm going to tell you something that's really crazy and I think it's crazy now because my mindset. But I'm going to tell you I'm going to I'm going to explain why I felt this way. Okay, OK, so in the beginning, it was cassette to cassette. Mm, yep so Record. Now, keep going until the quality, you know, starts getting bad, you know, adding on vocals and everything. Mm -hmm. But I had to play everything. This is before sequencing. So I had to play everything live, bass line, the keys, and all of that, Uh, program the drum machine. Uh, So, okay. So this is how it always (laughs) went down. My mom and my grandmother were the supporters, but they didn't have a lot of money. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times I would have to wait till birthday or Christmas to get stuff.
0: But in between
1: right. there, it would be people like Chucky Woo. who would get stuff. Yep. <laughs> Chucky Brew- <laughs> Bishop, Bishop Brewer. <laughs> Bishop-, <laughs> Bishop Brewer. Right. Um, it, would be, it would be people like him that would get stuff mm-hmm. uh, for Christmas and stuff. And later on, don't even pay attention to it. Right. You know, like the Sensonic drum. Like, mm-hmm. I would get that and ask him, can I hold it? And then wow. he would forget about it and I would have it. He had yeah. the sequential circuit. I would ask him if I could borrow it. He'd forget about it, and I had it. So <laughs> I started accumulating different things over the time yeah. to build my sound. So I had Yamaha DX7, yeah, Juno one hundred and six, um, and an EPS sixteen plus, and an HR sixteen, a drum machine. And then I later on got a R eight, Roland R eight drum machine. So mm-hmm. those are the things I accumulated. I would go and get people's speakers. I would fix it, put it together, (laughs) put it in my room. Um, And then I had, uh, then in 1983, (laughs) whoo, Pastor Hubert Powell had this Moog Liberation, this red Moog Liberation. He played it at the, um, against the Holy Convocation. Um, He brought that in on a Saturday when they were rehearsing. Yeah. Man, my mind was blown,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I would later on, my grandmother bought it from him Wow! and I still have it to this day. That's an amazing. To, at his 70th, 70th birthday, I surprised him. Yeah. I saw the uh, video. Right. And yes. so I was able to let him know that I still had, and it still works. Wow. So I got that. So that became a part of my sound and my setup too. Yeah. And these would be the things that I would use to do talent shows too. Okay. So I would do this, you know, use those or whenever I would perform. That was my pretty much my main setup.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Shout out to the memory of Pastor Oh my profile, god. Man. Okay, so wait. Yeah.
1: Scott Atkins, Robert Liptrot, Brian Higgins. they were guys that I played in the band with.
0: Yep. Okay. I love that man. If if you weren't a producer and songwriter, what would you be?
1: A producer songwriter. Okay, so <laughs> it was de- it
0: was destined, right? No other There was job. no.
1: There was no B. I don't believe in B.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plans or All nothing. in. It's
1: it's going to work. It's it's not a uh, what if it doesn't. It's going to work.
0: Okay, that's awesome. So you're at Motown. You're uh a. Uh, House songwriter, is that the kind of yeah, kind of well? No, I, it Everybody? wasn't for the
1: it wasn't just for Motown, I just produced groups and stuff on Motown and stuff because I'm right there, yeah. Um, but it turned out you know, uh, Boys and Men, the group today, uh, what was her name? There was another girl that I produced, it was a few, Letitia. there was different artists on Motown that I produced for because my songs were there, Timmy yeah. was the art, so. Whenever he would hear the songs, he would just be like, yo, you know. Do you remember
0: your first placement?
1: Oh, my first professional placement. My oh, dang. Because I look at my first placement, my first professional placement as Boys the Men. Okay. Because anything Your Love, right? Huh? Your Love? Your Love. I actually did four songs. (sighs) Your Love, Little Things Mean a Lot, Can't Be Liked by Everybody, and just the Cover Up. Wow. Your love and little things were the ones that ended up on the album, but years later they ended up getting the other two and putting it on the deluxe.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. So I
1: ended up with the four on there. Wow. Um, but I say boys to men because anybody before then were you know like odd jobs, like you yeah. know, were keys for yes. or you know, but boys to men would be my pro- first professional mm. boys to men and the group today. not nah. we're big. Bucks. With Big Bub? That, yes.
0: Oh wow. Shout out to Big Bub. Um, I I was doing some research on you today and I heard a crazy story about your love about the cassette tape. Can you tell me about okay, that? So,
1: okay, so okay, <laughs> well, I mean, I would have actually told that story in the right <laughs> thing, but I'm all over the place. I usually tell it a certain way. But so while I was working on my album, right? Um, Timmy, Timmy was making a cassette. For Gerald Busby to live with. And he was playing my songs, but also making a cassette for Gerald at the same time. Wow. So when he got to Your Love, um, I, I was, you know, I was nervous because I was young and I didn't want to stop it. Mm-hmm. But after he played it, I was like, oh well, that one's that song is gonna be for me, for my album. Mm-hmm. And so he said, Oh, okay. And so he rewound the tape. <laughs> to put another song over it. Yeah, dub over it. To dub over it. And so he did that. So by the time it was time to meet Boys to Men in the conference room, I wasn't knowing, I didn't know what songs they liked or right. what songs they wanted to record until they all, when I met them, they all started shouting out names of the songs that they liked. Okay. And then Wanye, who was 15 at the time, Sidebar, I'm working with his sons right now, which is absolutely crazy. Full circle, right? Just like him. Um, He was 15 and he had a song in his head that he heard, but he didn't know the name of it. Okay. And so while he's saying, there was one song I really, really liked. And I'm looking at him like, what song was it? Like, I don't understand. And he didn't know the name. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, well, do you remember any of the words? Yeah. And he, he said, it was something like your love or something, your love is too hype. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, you weren't supposed to hear that. And th- and the reason why he didn't know the name of it is because he only caught the tail end of it. Right. So when Timmy went over it, the song that went over it wasn't as long as yeah. your love. So he caught the tail end of it, which was t- super interesting because I'm like, how'd you hear that?
0: Like, yeah. And but he talked the tail and I made him want it, right?
1: He heard Yeah, but intro. this yeah. is before I heard them sing. Ooh, so you didn't know. So when I said that, oh, that song's for me, it kind of got quiet. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, sing something, you know? Right. So, so so, let's see, Wanya is 15, Sean was 16, Nate and Mike were 17. Wow. So this is a young, young voice, man. Absolutely. So when them kids started singing... Mm. They sang, Mary, don't you weep? I take six. Listen, (laughs) seven or eight seconds in, they didn't even get started all the way before I said, Hold up. Stop. 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 Yeah. (laughs) Stop. Stop. And they and they didn't know me, so they didn't know if they had done something wrong. Right. So I was like, nah, you don't you don't gotta keep going. That's I heard and then I pointed to Juan Ye and I was like, man, you can have the song. Like, yeah, take it. I don't care. Like, you know what Got I mean? It. They still like was confused. Yeah. So I'm like, so they go, can we finish? I was like, oh, oh no, yo, <laughs> sure. I, I you don't have to, but go ahead. <laughs> and so they finished and that was it, man. Like I that was that was a moment I will never forget, like seriously. Right. Now, hold up. Here's mm-hmm. a part of the story I don't tell often. Okay. So sitting next to me while I'm working with boys and men mm-hmm. was a young Carl Thomas. Whoa. I don't tell that story often because wow. I just don't think about it. But now, I meet Carl at UNAC. Okay. <laughs> You remember Unet? You, yes, was, that, that was, was what was. Aim
0: was. Uh-huh. Aim is is that now, but yes. that was pre, yeah before that, yeah.
1: Yes, so um, I met Carl nineteen eighty five. He was fourteen. I was seventeen. So by this time, he had left Chicago. It was Carl's from Chicago. Yeah, he had left Chicago and came to live with me. Wow. He came to live with me after he went to the funeral of Bishop Owen's daughter. Wow. Chalita yeah she she died and so carl came to jersey because i lived in brooklyn at the time Mm -hmm. he came to brooklyn so that we can go to jersey to the funeral and when he came there that's when he finally came to see how i record and everything because other than that he would only see me every year at unac
0: at the convention yeah
1: right and so when i would play my cassettes he would be so messed up like I want to do that, but Carl was so churchy. Yeah. It was like, dude, you can't do RB. Every time you sing, you sound gospel-y, like
0: right, right, right,
1: right. So when he came to live with me, he uh was sitting next to me while I was doing Boys and Men. So and he was with me while I was working on my album as well. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he had a duet on my album that no one will ever know. Never came out.
0: Do you still have the files?
1: Great. Yes. Yeah, awesome. this, is, this is way before Bad Boy. Wow. So, yeah.
0: You heard it here first, y'all. We are here with the mayor of R&B, Mr. Troy Taylor. This is episode nine. We are uh, live and direct, man, with a legend, man. And he's just dropping so many gems and giving us his backstory. With all the success in your early days, um, I want the contrast. How did you deal with rejection, if if, if at all any?
1: Well, there was a lot of rejection. As a matter of fact, um, there's more rejection. There's more no's. Okay. Yes yes way more okay way more so what people don't understand is i say this all the time in like my master classes or my my you know like uh seminars and stuff yes. like it, it's not i think we we uh, we kind of like put in our head how we want it to be so much that we think it, it actually is that way yeah when in actuality it's nowhere near anywhere near how you could imagine being in the music industry it is okay. not it yeah. the games, the disrespect, mm. the uh, lack of loyalty, it is it is it, it's more that yes. than anything. And so when people ask me all the time I have to say I've had more bad times in the music industry mm. than good. Wow. Um but because I love doing what I do so much, I persevere to it, you know, mm. through it. So yeah. so how I handled it was there's nothing that's going to stop me from doing this.
0: Right. So no matter
1: how bad it is, I there, I have no other choice but to keep yeah. going. So though I don't like it, I'm not stopping.
0: You said that earlier, like there's no other option. Like I'm all in. This is what I do. Yep. I love it. I love it. So in your Motown days,
1: uh, how do you come across Charles Farrar? So- Motown, I mean, I met Charles before Motown. So okay. that's the part of the story that I didn't tell. I went straight to Motown, to okay. the Motown story. But I met Charles because I was shopping a deal for a rapper that I had produced from New Haven. Wow. Um, His name is Owen Taylor. Um, he, he since passed a few years ago. Um, And so he was the rapper. I was the producer. But a couple of songs would have me doing backgrounds on it. And this is yeah. before rap with a hook. Yeah. was really popular popular right. um so when we would shop his 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 you know uh, for a deal the the the, uh, the executives would always ask who's that singing yeah and so i would say me but we're not together right so long story short of that we went to uh a label called warlock records
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i funny thing is i didn't know what a warlock was two years <laughs> later I never knew what a Warlock was until <laughs> we were years, 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 years later. Loose here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was at Warlock Records that I met Charles Farrar because he cool. wasn't there. He didn't work there. Okay. He would go to that. He would go there to use their phones. Wow. So there was a guy who did work there, Lyndon Roach, who uh, saw me meeting there and told Charles about me. Charles would then, you know, I still lived in New Haven. So Charles would then hire me to do keyboard work. So I would take the train back and forth. So that's how I met him. And so one day I just asked Charles, what are you trying to do? Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm trying to do RB. And I'm like, well, this ain't this ain't it. Like (laughs) it needs to be because I would, I would, he would hire me, but I would just wait until he tells me what he wants. I wouldn't, I wouldn't offer anything. I'll just do whatever he needed. And then I started just no- noticing like what he wanted and how he was, you know, it wasn't it wasn't adding up. So yeah, it was once he up. told me what he wanted, I'm like, oh, it needs to be like this. Yeah. And that's from that point on, um, we became cool. But it wasn't until I like fell out with the group. Okay. Fell out with my girl. Mm. I'm like, I'm out of here i am out of here out of here out of here so i ended up moving to brooklyn to live with charles and his then girlfriend he he went on to marry her but it was at his it was his girlfriend at the time so i went on to move to brooklyn to get away and to finally just get started yeah so um that's how we became partners and we were partners for 12 years wow
0: and you guys had an amazing run can you name some of the records that you guys did together
1: so as as the characters
0: The characters.
1: Um, Yes, the characters. We were known as the characters. That name actually, so the artist, the rapper that went and got a deal, we ended up getting a deal. We ended up getting signed. I skipped over that one. We ended up getting signed to Warlock Records. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: And the name of us, I became, you know, because everyone kept asking, are we together? Are we together? So Mm -hmm. in order to leave and just, I was just like, yes, we're, we're a group. We're, yeah. we're a group. Mm-hmm. But our name, the name of our group was called Smooth Characters. Okay. So Owen Taylor and Troy Taylor, no relation at all. No
0: relation.
1: Wow. Uh, we were known as Smooth Characters. Yeah. So when I just, you know, um, Charles actually got the contract that we signed, looked at, and found out that it really wasn't good. Mm. So we devised a plan to get dropped. Okay. So we <laughs> rebelled and rebelled. They let the rapper go, but they didn't let me go.
0: They knew what they had, man.
1: So they didn't <laughs> let me go. So that the plan didn't work for me. No. But I did end up meeting because the single that we put out, before we put it out, they asked me, who did I want to get to mix it? Mm-hmm. And I had never done a mixing session or anything before. Right. But I remembered one name that I seen in the credits. Working those credits, yeah. So when I said that name, Timmy Regisford, it was like, "Hey, uh, get Timmy on the phone." <laughs> wow, what? <laughs> like, are you kidding? So it was then I met Timmy at the at the mixing session. Then from there on, we became super close, and he bought me off that label mm-hmm. and signed me to Motel. So I told the story in such a dis.
0: It's all right. We we got there.
1: But, but, well, yeah, but you get it. You, you get it.
0: So some of the records that you and that you and Charles did.
1: So, okay, so Boys the Men of course. Yes. Um uh, today uh home is where you belong. Mm. Uh uh step uh, got to make you mine. Uh dang, with some other songs. Uh self-centered and it was one other song that we did. It was four of them and I forget. Um and then Sweet Lady, Tyrese. I was I was still a characters when I did that. I was still a characters when I did the boys, the B two K songs, mm. "Why I Love You," and um, now we're in the
0: early two thousands now, right?
1: Uh yeah, we're we're coming, we're just coming into it. We're nineteen ninety nine, the two thousands, I left the characters at the end of two thousand one. Okay, so so. um uh, let's see, what else? Everything else was kind of like, oh, shoot, like Profile, group called Profile. Yeah. Um, oh, shoot. There's a whole lot of artists that was right. always in the beginning of their career. Right. We, we worked with 702, wow. uh, SWV.
0: hmm The Leash uh, Attention album. I remember that.
1: Uh-huh. Let me see. Yep. Let me
0: see. Solo. <laughs> He's looking at the plaques on the wall, guys. Just so you know, <laughs> remember, that's his reference, y'all. Oh my I'm god, starting, I'm starting to forget.
1: I got to <laughs> Lord, he's um, looking yeah. at
0: the wall.
1: So those oh. are kind of. So in the 12 years, groups, I mean, artists like those uh, that I produce.
0: That's amazing. So after that 12 year run, do you want? Do you have the desire to go on your own, or you know, you separate from Charles? Charles and I that...
1: fell. We, I, I, Charles and I fell out. And okay. I ask, I, I, well, I had, I I was, it was a situation to where as um, we were, we were, Tyrese was working on his second album around the corner okay. of the, from my studio in New York, mm-hmm. but Tyrese didn't come to see us even after Sweet Lady. Mm. And so I told Charles, you know, um, dude, like, this is like not cool he needs to be over here. Why isn't, you know, that's very disrespectful. He needs to be over here working with us. Yes. We gave him his big record. Like, right. So long story short of that, Charles talked to the management and they came and Tyrese, uh, came, but they only gave us one night. Mm. So Jonte Austin, my little brother, Jonte Austin, who co-wrote sweet lady. Um, I had it planned first and foremost, And now that Tyrese and I have spoken about it at 20 years later, uh, (laughs) 20 plus years later, um, I got a chance to tell him how complicated, difficult he was recording (laughs) Sweet Lady. He gave me hell. But so this time I had devised a plan that when I work with Tyrese again, I will bring John Tay with me.
0: Okay.
1: So John Tay was supposed to come to the session. (laughs) Right. John Tay ended up not coming, so it left Mm. me with Tyrese again. One-on-one. One-on-one. On one. So, <laughs> so now I'm with Tyrese. We only got one night to do this song. Long story short of that, um, he just kept he, he kept complaining. It's like, it's, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, seriously. Throwing the know?
0: vibe off. Yeah, I got you. Like,
1: oh, my gosh, like, we have a <laughs> successful record now. Yeah. Still, ah. So we have a hit. And so now it, it, it caused me to really, really, really get pissed off. But Tyrese didn't know that I was pissed because I left the room.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I went out there where the management was and where Charles was. And I said, like, yo, y'all need to get your man. Like, seriously. <laughs> um, and I really don't even tell this part of the story. So you're getting exclusive stories right now. Um, so we all came back to the studio in the room to mm-hmm. sit down and talk because Tyrese didn't know how much he pissed me off. Right. <laughs> well, long story short of that, Tyrese ended up using that incident as a reason not to keep the song. Oh, wow. So we didn't end up on his second album. Okay. Even though we did a song, he didn't keep it.
0: Wow. So Charles was mad at
1: me because we didn't get on this next album. He kind yeah. of blamed me for it. Oh. And when he did that, something in me was like, oh, it's time to go. Yeah. It's time to go. So I said, God, any way you get me out, mm-hmm. I'll take it. So one day we was we had a session, and this session would be with Lil' Steve from Truth. Yeah. And so um, I come to the studio, and before Lil' Steve comes in, he's in the lounge. Before he comes in, Charles wants to speak to me. So I'm like weirded out. Like, what is, what, 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 what do you mean? Like, what can't wait till after the session? What do yeah. you mean? So he brings the staff in. He closed the door, and I'm surrounded by my staff because I'm the president. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Yeah. And so he he goes on to tell me the reason why we're not going to the next level is because people don't like dealing with me and mm. and all that. Now. Here's how I know he was lying. (laughs) Because by this time, I had gotten saved. I was married. Wow. People didn't see me unless they came to the studio. So I knew it wasn't true. But I knew what he was trying to say. It was really because he felt like, you know, we didn't make that that Tyrese album. Yeah. So he really was was bad. And so he tried to blame me for it. Mm -hmm. But when he did that, and in partnerships, that's one thing you should never do. Never do this.
0: Oh, don't point the finger, no.
1: And when you do that, it will it it will destroy everything yeah, because, right. you know, you're, you're team. When mm-hmm. he did that, I reflect back to the prayer. <laughs> I asked God, any way you get me out, I will take it. Wow. So what better out than him blaming me? So I said, okay, I understand what you're saying, though I don't agree. Yeah but i'm going to i'm going to leave i'm going to let you
0: yeah let maybe you it's carry on. we part ways yeah
1: so his little plan didn't work cuz he was trying to he, the reason why he had that whole meeting was for something else that i didn't know about but it backfired because i took that opportunity to say i'm out
0: yeah it's it's not for me
1: No. and so that was hell gosh there's so many pieces to this story that <laughs> was in the middle of 2001 Wow. Which and then we had met Trey Songs already because Trey Song's stepdad and Charles went to high school together. Wow. And so Trey uh, his stepdad wanted Charles to listen to Trey, but yeah. Charles wasn't the music guy, so Charles told him to come to right. meet.
0: So look Trey at got, God. Look at God, huh?
1: Right Trey in your lap. In the middle. <laughs> he got caught, he literally got caught in the middle of it. Yeah. So um I would tell Trey later on that i I'm no longer you know, with the characters. Mm-hmm. And so Trey, he didn't, he didn't really care because he felt like, well, I'm going wherever you're going. Yeah. But I, but I was like, nah, you know, I met you through, you know, Charles and, and his partner and I'm a loyal person. So I don't, right. so I felt like, listen, just you're not stay messy, there. As the kids say, you're not messy. You, yes. <laughs> so I was like, just stay with Charles. He said he can, you know, help you and we'll still work together. So, mm. well, he did. He stayed with Charles. He fulfilled that. Charles gave him an ultimatum. He said, if you do 60 songs, I'll shop you a deal. Wow. Now, Charles is not the artist developer. I am. Yes. So Trey was only but 16. So it was like when Trey goes to the studio, I'm not there anymore. Who's 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 teaching him here? So he would do songs. But after he comes from the studio, he comes to my house. That yeah. was the routine. Okay. But I would listen to what he's doing, and I'm like, Trey, what is what is this? Like, yeah, well, nobody there. Charles wasn't there, so I'm like, well, long story short of that, one day, I'm in the studio, and Carl Thomas is now working on his second album. Oh, so I'm in I'm in Electric Lady in New York, Electric Lady. That's uh, Jimi Hendrick's Studio. Yes. Yes. So I'm in Electric Lady downstairs in the basement where you can't get any signal from your cell phone. When I come upstairs after being in the studio like midnight, 1230 or something like that, all these messages messages started coming to my phone yeah. that I that I didn't get. And it was Trey. So Trey was like, I was like, do what happened? Like, what's going on? And he's laughing. He's like, yo, your man, your man kicked me out of the studio. I was like, what are you talking about? He said he was mad because, you know. I did I did like 60 something songs and remember he told me that if I do 60 songs that he' was gonna shop a deal so I felt like since I, you know I did 60 something songs I didn't really have to come in the studio all the time <laughs> he was mad at me And right. I was like and and I can hear his stepdad in the background angry like going off so I was like mm. what happened oh, It's like major. yo he told me he told me I, he told me it's cold out there you're gonna see and all this. So I was like, oh wow, he gave you the it's cold out there speech because <laughs> he had this speech that he would, you know, of course, and yeah. he's basically saying, if you ain't here, yeah, you're you gonna find out how cold it really is in the business.' of music. course, yeah. So I, I knew that speech, so I was like, Trey, what did you do? He said, I didn't do anything. So, long story short of that, uh, by this time Trey was six, 17, he was 17 by that time, so I said. You know what? I know everybody that Charles knows. Mm-hmm. And this is a transition period where it wasn't about the managers anymore. Right. It was starting to become about the producers. Talk about it. the
0: 2000s era. Yes. So
1: yeah. that whole Shaq Knighty kind of like thing was kind of like... Puffy. So well, The producer
0: came to the forefront.
1: Yes. Yes, sir. And So I realized that I know everybody Charles knows. You know what? I can do this. Mm-hmm. because it was a time I didn't know what I was going to do. I, you know what I mean? I had never been on my own, so yeah. I had to figure it out. And then within that, that's where Songbook was created. Yeah. Um, and ironically, the very first song that has Songbook under it as me as a producer solo was on Donald Lawrence, Go Get Your Life Back. Wow. That's the very first and would be my first gospel song I ever done. Yeah. A lot of people don't even know that part too. So you yeah. get all kind of stuff. <laughs>
0: Thank you, man. It's great. Yeah, so classic album them. too. Yes, it's sir.
1: All, it's a song called uh, "I um, I Won't Complain" or uh, "I Won't Yeah I, uh, Complain." Yeah, it was on the album "Go Get Your Life Back." Wow. So that was because he's a huge fan of my R and B. He's always yeah. been a fan of me. So that's how we ended up meeting, and I sent him some tracks, and he wrote that song to it. That wow. would be the first song. But how about this? Remember when Charles said he blamed me for we're not, I'm the reason why we didn't get to the, we're not working on the next level. Yes. Well, the first person I worked with when I decided to leave the characters was Mary J. Blige. <laughs> wow. So to the point where since I still had the key to the studio. Yeah. I snuck in the studio because, you know, I had left. So. Yeah. I snuck in to use the studio to work with Mary. Wow. After that, everything to the next level. Went. Of
0: course. You it didn't went, need Charles at all.
1: <laughs> it was Mary, Whitney, Aretha Franklin, J oh. it, it just it just got better and better and better. As I, you know what I mean? Because yeah. you know, I'm like, this is crazy. I'm I hit the next level as as soon as I left. So yeah. that meant god was waiting for me to leave He, he was. you know what i mean I had and he already had it set, set for you to go it was set for me to go yep wow and then that's... Trey out a deal it just everything just fell right into place
0: and it just kept rolling
1: wow
0: oh my goodness that is yeah. a crazy this transition a, of events yeah this is a
1: lot it's a lot <laughs> no that's
0: amazing I. it's so inspiring it's just like when god's timing and god's will is on your his favors on your life you you're destined to be blessed, man. And, and you're encouraging. not gonna
1: miss anything. That's the yeah. thing that people feel like if I don't do it now, yeah, you know? whatever God has for you, he it's set.
0: Yeah. He'll make
1: everything line up and you won't miss a thing.
0: Right. So how long did it take Trey to break after he joined forces with you?
1: So the ANR, the person that signed Trey, Mike Karen, he was a protege of Craig Kalman. Yeah. I knew Craig Kalman for years. Right. But because Mike Karen took a chance on Trey, he was trying to show that he knows he he can do R and B. Yeah, but but he not he can't do R and B better than me. So (laughs) it's like I had a whole ten song album demo that got him the deal. Wow. So why why wouldn't you just let us do what we do? And so. It took us two years before we would actually come out. We didn't need two years. No. But it took us two years just battling the politics making the album. Yeah. And so it took it took that long for him to for us to put out. And gotta make it actually the song for Trey, the first single, was Mike wanting us to do that song. That wasn't a song that
0: just gotta make it.
1: Yeah, we didn't choose that one. Mike <laughs> chose that one to be the first single, and he put Twister on it. Yeah, because because Trey did, um, Girl Tonight on mm-hmm. Twister's single. You
0: got a so, plaque for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we so that was the the trade off. Um, but uh, it was annoying. It was yeah. so annoying because. You know the politics in the music industry goes back to like I said what I said before, Mm -hmm. it's not the way you think it is. Yeah. Here I am, knowing what I know, but I'm dealing with politics, and I've never dealt with politics before. So yeah, like I gotta I gotta figure it out. But the second album, by the time Trey's second album, Julie Greenwald, Mike Kaiser. Kevin Lyles, they came from Death Jam over to Atlantic. The Atlantic
0: crew, yeah, from Death Jam. But so that was
1: now some new politics. Yeah. <laughs> so we did the politics for that second album. It would be the third album that they would leave us alone. Okay. And that I would get a chance to finally do it the way I know how to Take do it. Take the
0: reins and do it your, your way. Yes. That's amazing. And we know we know the results from you taking the reins.
1: That, that became good. the Ready album.
0: Yes, all that platinum on the wall. Oh man, <laughs> so grateful for this. This is episode nine of the In the Pocket podcast with the Goat, Troy Taylor. You the Goat, man. Uh, we're gonna transition to a, a segment called Songwriters' Point of View. Okay, and I'm just gonna ask you some quick questions uh, about your perspective on songwriting. Um, when you when you're writing a song, what do you hear first? Do you hear music or the melody?
1: Oh, that's a that's a song by song basis. Okay, um, Why I Love You. Um, by B2K, the melody came to me while I was taking a shower. Wow! <laughs> Love that the melody came to me, so mm-hmm. I had to get out of the shower so I wouldn't forget it. So mm-hmm. I ran downstairs so I can find the chords.
0: Right, me. right, right.
1: So once I figured out the chords, I made the track. Yes. And so I was about to work with Steve, Little Steve. So I wanted to do a song like because. B2K needed a real song, like a song song. Yes. At that point, they had Uh-huh as the yep. singer. Mm-hmm. So I wanted, I felt they needed to do something like You Remind Me by Usher.
0: Okay, got gotcha. you. Because yeah. that
1: was out at the time. Yes. So when I figured out the chords from the melody, I did the beat similar to the Remind Me. And so you could literally mix the two together. Yeah, That's so that. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I'm I'm mimicking it and I'm doing all of that with wow. my chords on yeah. top of it to be a song song. Yes. Um
0: they needed something uh, musical. Yes. Yeah, I got you.
1: Musical and that people can sing along. Yes. Um and so that's how that came about. So that was that situation. Other than that, normally I just make tracks. Okay. And after I make the track, I would, you know, sit down and write to it. And then after I write to it, I would demo it. I don't do that anymore because the cadence is different. Yeah, and the kids is uh, I just <laughs> I just make the tracks and. Do you have I a team? You have a team now. You have a team. I, have a I team? do have a team. I do okay. have a, a, a nice little team now. After going through a lot of people, uh, proteges and dope writers who've gone on to be uh, pretty good. Um, I always kept young people around. I always kept the up and comings yeah. around me. Um, I stay fresh, I stay young because I keep them around me. And yeah. so when music transitions, I'm I'm always on top. Yeah. So um, yes, I do have a team, uh, Vaughn Waters upstairs, Ricky, like uh Shade, Shay Jennifer, Devin Culture. Uh there's a lot of people around me that aid in you know working with artists as well as me working with them
0: yes as an executive are you uh more prone to sign somebody with a buzz or are you looking for undiscovered, undiscovered talent
1: um it helps when they have a buzz because it's less it's not working as hard however mm-hmm. most of the people that i have around me don't have a lot of numbers trey uh uh trey from next door um a kid from florida he's a rapper melodic rapper um he has some numbers shade has some numbers but death's numbers is not as big right Uh, um so it's a really it's a really kind of like a artist by artist basis how i feel how they hit me
0: Mm -hmm. okay so just kind of the feeling of it Mm -hmm. how important is media training um, you know, with this internet world, you know, a lot of people can be reckless with their social media, how, you know, artist development is a kind of a lost, lost art. Lost art. Yeah. So, you know, you, you're doing that with your, your TTU, your Troy Taylor university, where you're teaching the next generation. How important is that media training and for them to have it's, a basis? It,
1: it, it's so important that people don't talk about it because they don't know what to do. They don't know how to do artist development anymore. It's not it's not that they don't want to, they don't actually know what to do. So <laughs> they just let the artists just go on TikTok and do whatever they want and get popular <laughs> and then follow them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, the art of learning how to walk in a room, yes, and command a room without saying a word. Yes. The art of sitting in a meeting and knowing how to articulate yourself, so to the point where they get excited to work. For your artistry to yes. blow as well. Um, that I still teach, but the, a lot of people don't know how to do it because the kids they don't think it's important anymore. Yeah. But it's still important. I think it will always be important. I don't think it's a generational thing. I think mm-hmm. it's a, it's it's a thing that's needed. And I think a lot of people are starting to see how important it still is.
0: Yeah. Um, as far as if, if someone is fortunate to be in the room with you or other executives like you how important is networking and how should they approach in their moment? Cause everybody doesn't get the moment, but when you do get the moment, how important is it networking and, and how do they go about approaching someone?
1: Um, sometimes I think, uh, the person who's assertive, but not loud, yes. ends up attracting people like myself in the room. If they're in the room, yes, not sitting in the back of the corner, but kind of in the mix, but not saying anything Mm -hmm. forces people to say, what do you do? Yeah. And so at that point, if you've been doing your homework and your homework is making sure them songs are crazy. Yeah. In that moment you press play, you don't have to talk too much. Right. I'm an artist or you say I'm a writer or you say I'm a producer. Um, your aura will cause them to go, shoot, play something. Yeah. And that's where you're supposed to kill them. Yes. But most people don't do their homework and their tracks are not mixed well. Um, their preparation is not already, ready. Yeah. And so they miss their moment and don't even know it.
0: Oh, and that's heartbreaking. I've been there on both sides. <laughs> I get it. I get it. So yeah. what advice can you give to uh, young artists and producers about uh, having the proper legal
1: backing? Woo, man. So that's a part of the team. Nowadays, um, okay, if the numbers are where, where everybody is going to, that's fine. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. But you're still responsible as an artist to make sure you have an attorney. Yes. At least a manager or someone who's willing to uh, speak for on your behalf and make sure that you're in the right direction and doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, an accountant, at least. Yes. Um And all these things, at least and some at least a producer who you have a relationship with that can keep you consistent. Yes. Because if you don't, then that means the label is going to put their people on and it might not gel with you, you know, your artistry. And then you get stuck. So that team is very important. And the time to put your team together is before you get discovered, not after right. you get discovered. to be
0: ready. Be ready. Yes. To miss. Yeah. Yes. I love that, man. I love that. Uh, let's play a game called Rapid Fire. I'm going to give you a multiple, uh, a choice, and you mm-hmm. just tell me what your preference is. Okay. All right. So New York or Los Angeles? New York. Okay. Logic or Pro Tools?
1: Both. Both. Because Logic <laughs> is for music, and Pro right. Tools for vocals.
0: Okay. Uh, Adidas or Nike? Nike.
1: Nike.
0: Um, soul Food or Surf and Turf? Soul food. Soul food. Atlanta or Houston? Atlanta. Jamaica or Puerto Rico? Puerto Rico. Okay. Coats and boots, or sneakers and t-shirts?
1: Sneakers and t-shirts.
0: Yeah. Have you lived in L? You lived in L.A. I don't like L.A. You don't like L.A. Okay.
1: I never did. Even in the nineties. <laughs> okay. I don't, I
0: don't
1: like, if you're a New Yorker, right? L.A. is
0: That East Coast vibe, right? It's it's hard to it's hard to leave here, right?
1: Hollywood, no, it doesn't. It
0: doesn't feel too genuine. No,
1: no, no. Do
0: do you enjoy more? What do you enjoy more? Writing the song, producing the song, or seeing your song perform?
1: Producing the song. Producing the song.
0: Okay. And character or skill, what's more important? Character. Character. Can you explain why?
1: Character brings you. Get, it brings more opportunity towards you if people don't like your character they don't care about your skill okay if they care about your skill and they like your skill but they don't like your character the character is going to ruin the skill
0: okay I love that yeah that makes sense thank you for that man this is episode nine with the mayor of r Troy Taylor the goat let's do this um while I have you I'm going to play a couple of your records and you give me a little backstory on those records. Okay. This segment is called, What Song Is That? Okay. All right. stay
1: focused, <laughs>
0: gotta stay strong.
1: All right. So yes, sir. Remember what I said? I left character, and the first person I worked with was Mary. Yes. And I snuck into my studio to work with right. her. Yes. So I was working with Mary to work on her next project, and that was one of the songs that I did for her, with yeah. her. And so... So you're hyped I, you
0: got a Mary J. Blige placement. You're you're ready.
1: I, I, I <laughs> I'm working with Mary. That's all I care about. So... Mm-hmm. We do these songs, we do two songs. Yeah. Mary then reunites with Puff, with Diddy, and mm-hmm. she don't want him to mess with the songs, mm. so she did not play them for him. Okay. Leaving the songs like, but at the time, I had I started working with Aretha Franklin, so I asked Mary, if I can play the songs for Aretha. Yeah. Cause Mary ain't giving them songs to just anybody. No. And when she was like, what? Of course <laughs> that's the queen. Yeah. And so Aretha ended up hearing them and loving them. And so that's how Mary ended up staying on the backgrounds because Aretha said, no, nah, I'll keep her on there. So I ended up and I haven't, I, I I'm going to, this is one of my, uh, Stories that I'm going to tell in my TTU gems, or you know, the yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't told it yet, but um we ended up. I ended up getting so I ended up working with the queen of soul, with mm-hmm. the queen of hip hop and R and B
0: on the same record. Work. Oh man, crazy. crazy! You are a blessed man and super talented man. We got the great Troy Taylor in the house on the In the Pocket podcast. uh Let's play two more, and I'll let you go, bro. Thank you so okay. much. Here we go.
1: Front, we can leave like Quanto Maple leaf flash got you feeling like Toronto Make your body rise like you're puffing on a joy dough Girl that's only if you want dough you This was crazy for now, for now. Might as well get another crown I know this ain't nothing in your cup So get here baby let me fill it up Fill it up Girl, girl, girl. It's, your birthday, it's your birthday Hold the wire I know you're thirsty Hey Taylor, you to go. Okay, so Woo! all right, talk to me. Whew. Okay, um, that's a long story with this song. So this writer, <laughs> chef, yeah, brought this song to me, and but the song was originally supposed to be for Kells.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: He was our key protege.
0: Yeah.
1: He left Kells. Because he wanted to go prove that he can do it without him. Yeah. He moves to Atlanta. Mike Karen, who signed Trey, mm-hmm. told him to come see me. Um, Because he's a writer. He's a, like a hot, up-and-coming writer. Mm-hmm. So he brings this song. R. Kelly was it wanted it, but then they were going to give it to Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Because Jamie had Blame It On The Alcohol. So this was supposed to be like the comeback to that, but I told Chef, if you really want to get R. Kelly back, mm. give it to Trey. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> they had this thing that you know, um, you know, because Trey, R. Kelly, the whole yeah, of course, comparison.
0: yeah, the whole comparison, right?
1: So we we ended up doing it on Trey, but now we couldn't get a rapper on it. So when I was in mastering for the album, I was in New York uh, mastering the album. Say I was just going to be intro, hook, verse, hook, verse, hook, out. Wow. Because we couldn't get a rapper on it. And in actuality, uh, Santana, Jules Santana was the one that Trey wanted to get on it. Right. He was hot. He got the
0: Chris Brown single too.
1: But he didn't do it. So... um. I'm in mastering and Trey hits me and says, Yo, Fab is coming to the studio. he's gonna come to the mastering studio um to do it. I'm like, oh, dude, it's like late. What time is it yeah. coming? And he was like, Um, yo, he's just gonna come, man. Was you know, see if you can get him on it. So Fab comes, super, super, super cool. Yeah. He goes in, he does a rap and he comes out and I don't like it. Mm. So so I had to figure out a way. <laughs> To, you know, he said, so he said, what you think? I was like, I, uh, I think you could do better. So <laughs> he goes back in, he does another one.
0: Still ain't it. it,
1: still ain't <laughs> it. So now I'm feeling bad because I'm, you know, it's fab. You know yeah. you what know, you know, right. I mean? Right.
0: Like a deal.
1: So I was like, yo, I need something. I need you to do something that like the crowd can participate in something that when the DJ picks the music out, the crowd does it. Yeah. I need something like that. And I need to make, it. I need you to make it seem like you and Trey are together. Cause Trey wasn't there. Yeah. He goes back in for the third time. When he goes back in for the third time, Cause this is how talented he is. And you yeah. hear what I said? He did three different raps.
0: Three different raps, yeah. He
1: goes back in for the third time. And that part where I said I wanted to D, you know, I wanted him to do where the DJ blacks out the music and the crowd mm-hmm. goes crazy is the yeah. blocker, blocker. I'm like, right. <laughs> I make you say, I just like I'm your doctor. All I prescribe is cranberry and vodka. Then I'm trying to kick it, play a little soccer, and bust a couple off, blocker,
0: blocker. That's right. <laughs> it. <laughs> That was I the one.
1: It. Like, that was it. So, at the end, I told him I wanted him to act like he was in VIP, yeah, talking to the girl. So that's mm-hmm. why you hear him. They're like, let's say ah, go on, no, no, no." Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes. So it was, it was so perfect, man. That was. It, it ended up being such a great record, and just to know how it all came together was so special.
0: That's amazing, man. One of the hottest songs. Are that all your records have? like made their mark I remember uh the b2k song uh being at on 106 in part you know running week after Brilliant. week after week man
1: that is one of my favorites that is yeah. def- why I love you is one of my favorites no' here's one not, I
0: here's one I at- but here's one I definitely know you did <laughs>
1: oh Still, my ringtone. Are you serious? It's still my ringtone. I have not changed it since then. Like nah. when my phone rings, yeah, <laughs> it's still the ringtone. <laughs> I can't amazing. change it. It's, it's definitely one of my favorites. Um, so Mario Winans had you know, he had did the song, he had he did this, he had started it. Okay, and Mike Karen had sent it to us,
0: Shout out Skeet.
1: and so. When Mike, he was like, you, 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 you. At this point, Mike knew that he, I know Barn be better than him, so of course the respect and everything. uh, yeah. Because that was after Ready, and mm-hmm. so he played me the song. He sent the song to me, and I heard it, and I was like, "Yo, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what is this?" Right, right, right. And so when he told me Mario did it, I called Mario. I was like, "Yo, I say, all right, all right, Mario, okay, it's too slow. I need you to speed it up." It was like 82. I said, put it to 86. And then um, when I played it for Trey, when I played it, well, first of all, before, I just called Trey and I was like, yo. That's all I said. (laughs) He's like, man, what you got? (laughs) I said, yo, yo. I just kept saying, yo. Yeah, Speech. Yo yeah and so i sent it to him and he called me back he was like man yo this is crazy so we after we got in the studio that's where Trey and i started adding the things to it and making it more tray in the backgrounds and the bridge yeah i told mario it need you know it needs a bridge yeah actually craig kalman told us we needed a bridge after he butchered a lot of our bridges and then he's gonna go where's the bridge i'm like you butcher all our bridges what do you mean like he's like because neighbors know my name had a bridge wow and 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 craig calman told me to take it out come on he said it was too long i was like so when he said that and then he comes to here and goes it needs a bridge i'm like but put a bridge on that man that song is classic yeah classic
0: one of the best records ever yes, man. Sir. definitely timeless music man. And that, and I want to salute you for making timeless uh melodies and music that that lasts for generations man. We'll Thanks. be able to listen to this music in and with our wives and you know passing it on to the future generations. So I'm grateful to you. Um last thing, um pick your top 5 songs that you created. So this is called Troy's ultimate setlist. And you pick 5 records that define you or that you're most proud of. That you've written produced composed anything
1: okay so can't be friends yes why i love you yeah sweet lady Mm. uh i'm gonna say your love because that was a special record for me yeah and then uh okay first noel with whitney houston that Can
0: can i get a little story about that
1: uh, but the personal, well, um, I, I, of course, I have it on my page as her. Whitney was so hilarious. Oh, yeah, so. She was mad at me for pushing her, but it came out great. Oh, I need some water. I'm going to hurt you, Troy. I swear to God. Troy, Troy, you know what? Troy, you take me back to my days. I swear to God. All I need is one the- I'm going to do a flying, jumping... When i come out there I'm try and jump a kick to your head. <laughs> And that was a little that was a snippet.
0: <laughs> nippy was nippy, wasn't she? Yeah. She was snippy. snippy
1: yeah, nippy. Nah. Um, so they called me and asked me, they were saying Whitney's doing her first Christmas album. Wow. And and they asked me what did I have? Because I had already worked on her uh Jess Whitney album. So yeah. um I came up with an r version of First Noel, I thought it would be dope. And so yeah. when I did that, uh, when I got with Whitney, she, this is what, 2003. So she walks into the room and she goes, oh, RiRi loves you. <laughs> and I'm like, who? RiRi. I'm like, who's RiRi? Aretha. I'm like, oh yeah, she talked about, she talked about you. She wouldn't stop talking about you. I'm like, really? Wow. Like, wow. Yes, sir. So now she comes in, and she plays some of the songs that she has on the album already, and she had worked with Mervyn Warren. Wow. You know who Mervyn Warren is, right? Yeah. Do you know who Mervyn Warren is? Songwriter. He is the founder of Take Six. Oh, wow. So when she played me those songs, I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. You are you doing that? Okay. (laughs) So when I said that, she's like, "Oh my God! I guess I shouldn't have let you hear these songs." I'm like, "I'm just saying, Whitney, you are not getting. You are definitely gonna make. We gonna make sure you sing it on this." Yes. So it was because of that. It was because I heard the songs that she did with mervyn and I'm like, "Oh, you're going to sing your face off on my. I'm
0: pushing you. Yeah, Yeah, I'm pushing
1: you. That that's it. And so, um." I, she fussed, she was fussy but I got everything <laughs> I needed um and the, the, the thing is is that how I ended up recording the session, the audio is because actually and I never even told anybody this she she didn't look she looked bad and it didn't look like it was not mm. good and so yeah. I was like I was like I need to record this moment. I need yes. to record this moment. Yeah. Um wow. and yeah, because she oh no. Nah. Yeah, I know. And and it would be years later, of course, but right. at that moment, I was afraid. I was afraid. Yeah. Um, and so I that's what made me record the session. Yeah. Like I wanted to have documentation.
0: So smart, man.
1: That I recorded it. So looking yeah. back, it was like, wow. That moment is it's is mine. It's my moment. You know, yes. nobody in the entire universe
0: has that footage. This yeah.
1: moment. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm glad I did that.
0: That's amazing, man. Thank you for sharing that. We are here with the GOAT, Troy Taylor, you the GOAT from New Haven, Connecticut, by way of Atlanta. The mayor of RB has graced our show, episode nine. I just want to give you two last little baby questions and then I'll let you go. How important is legacy?
1: Legacy is everything, because after all you've done on this earth, the question is going to be, what are you leaving behind so that people will remember you? Yeah. And usually that would be legacy.
0: Yeah.
1: It's important to make sure that you're not on this earth just existing and not leaving anything behind for people to talk about. You hear me talk about Whitney, she left a legacy yes, for sir. us to talk about. Aretha, she left a legacy. Uh so it's very important to to it's it's what keeps you going even when you're gone.
0: Yeah. And how do you want to be remembered? We're not we're, I not, want we're to, not sending you away. We just want to know what you no no for. no it's okay.
1: <laughs> I get I want to be remembered as someone who did not play. Yeah, was honest and real. Um, Silly, funny. If you know me, then you know how silly I am, but I want to be remembered for quirky, uh, honest, straight up, serious, and um, someone who brought the best out of you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it. Well, that's a wrap. We got the GOAT, Troy Taylor, episode 9. I am so grateful for this larger than life individual taking time out to chill with his his uh young silent protege because I watched him from afar. I mean our families go way back to the state yeah. choir of the Church of God in Christ and Connect jurisdiction. I've done sessions and uh recordings with Erica, his god sister. You know my mom has gone to preach and been with his mom, uh Mama Sharon and, and like we just our families are intertwined and, and when Troy Oliver told me I should reach out to you, I was scared because I didn't know if I would be able to get to you because you're such a high individual. I didn't know. But yeah. soon as I re- soon as I reached out, man, he, he, he reached back. And uh, that's the whole basis of my podcast, to acquire the information from the greats and pass it down. And you, my brother, are one of the greats. And we want to salute you. Thank um, you so much. Coming from the 203, man, we are um, in awe of your success, man. And it's, and it's evident you're a good person. A lot of people have success, but they're not kind people and god bless you (laughs) yeah and 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 for a a lot of the most successful people are jerks and you prove that you still can be a nice person and good people can win so thank you for your time my friend thank
1: you so much for Um, having me i'm so glad we were finally able to 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 lock it in yeah get it done
0: i told my mom my mom is here in atlanta with me um and she came to came to visit this week and i said um the first thing yeah you're in atlanta yeah i'm in powder springs
1: why didn't
0: i come there you could have <laughs> i
1: what didn't the know heck? i didn't know you was in atlanta
0: <laughs> yeah and i was gonna i was gonna tell you offline like we need to link up and i need to you know come see you but i'm i'm literally close to you you could have just came here
1: <laughs> i did not know you was in atlanta
0: yeah i've been in no. atlanta for six years now it'll be seven next year
1: did troy know you're here
0: yeah did Troy live. but see we- troy lives so far he might as well live in south carolina
1: yeah he does <laughs> you're right
0: but um i'm I'm grateful for the goat taking time out to hang with me tonight it's all connecticut love and uh and i will hopefully get to see you soon and and hang out mom is here too so when i told her that i got you on the show she said troy little troy i said (laughs) 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 yes and i said i said the first thing troy mentioned was my dad and he honored dad and i said dad is still looking out for me up above so thank you for for uh, honoring that request man and you are a legend, uh, uh, a giant in my eyes, man. And I'm grateful for your time. Man.
1: thank yes, you so much.
0: Yes, sir. Wow. I am grateful to God for the favor that's on my life, man, because I don't take none of this for granted. It's all God. I can't believe that just happened. Troy Taylor, the mayor
1: of r Troy Taylor, beautiful. Go.
0: Just grace my podcast and drop gems. Free game for y'all. Songwriters, this episode was for you. I thank everybody that came out to support us tonight. Thank you for Connecticut coming through and showing a lot of love. Man, he's one of our own in the 203. Now down here in the A doing his thing. And I'm grateful to Troy for coming through, man. I I looked up to him as a kid. Um, I'm honored that he took time out to rock with me tonight. His support means the world. Your support means the world. Continue to support the podcast on Facebook and YouTube. And also on all audio platforms where you get your podcasts. All digital audio platforms. You can check out the In the Pocket Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Chip Ginyard. And until next time,
1: stay in the pocket. Peace.